This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. You're invited to join us at our worship assemblies each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. Good evening. Good to be here this evening. I have a couple of thoughts from a couple of back-to-back verses we find in the Bible that want to talk to you about a little bit this evening. They're uh, maybe a little odd, a little unusual in the context of, of what we know about the Bible, but uh, I think it would help us and benefit us to, to try to understand these things a little, a little better. The title of our subject this evening is Condemned by Others, and you may think, well, others can't condemn us, only God can condemn us, and there is truth to that. And I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you exactly how this is going to occur, but we have some scriptures that we'll look at here in a little bit that indicate that in some way on the judgment day, there are going to be others that have give voice to our condemnation. Now, I don't want you to sit here and think this evening that I think anyone in this audience this evening is going to be condemned. But if you find yourself in a situation where you're not living right with God, this is something that you might ought to consider that there are others that in some way may lend voice to your condemnation, as odd as that may sound. Now we know that we will be judged by Jesus. We will appear before him in that day of judgment. In 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10, the Bible, uh, yeah, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10, the Bible says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone that may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So whether there are good things that we've done or whether there are bad things that we have done, those things will be registered in the book of life, and we'll have to stand account for those things. Now, if we've been forgiven of those things, that's a good thing. And that'll be, that'll be a, a joyous occasion as as Matt talked about joy this morning, we can rejoice in the fact that we've been forgiven. But if we haven't, then that will be a day of condemnation. The Bible says that uh, if we are condemned, it will be by the words of Jesus. The words that he, he has spoken to us, the words that he has left us, those will be the, the words that condemn us. In John 12 and verse 48 the Bible says, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. So we know how the judgment's going to work. But there's some other things that we need to consider. Jesus also spoke about others who would rise in condemnation of us if we find ourselves in that situation. Jesus spoke of this. So it must be true. In what way that will work, I'm not sure I can tell you exactly. But I do know it's going to happen in some way. Jesus said in Matthew 12 and verse 41, Now listen very carefully. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation. He's talking to those people that Jesus was talking to at that time. This generation, this generation that I'm speaking to right now, he says that the men of Nineveh, will rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, he says, because they repented at the preaching of Jonas. And behold, a greater 
then Jonah is here. Now, how's that going to happen? Not sure I know exactly, but it's going to happen. In the very next verse, Jesus continues on and says, The queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. So this makes me wonder, what, what is this condemnation that the people of Nineveh, the queen of south, Queen Sheba, what is this condemnation that they will rise up and condemn those Jews of that time? Jesus was speaking to the, to the Jewish nation, to the children of Israel. And he said, the, the men of Nineveh are going to rise up and they're going to condemn you. And the queen of the south is going to rise up and she's going to condemn you. At least she's going to give her voice to that. So what would the, the, men, the people of Nineveh and what would the queen of the south say? What would they say about us today? You know, from Jesus' words in Matthew 12, 41, 42, we learn some things that ought to make us be very serious about our state as a Christian about our service to God, and about whether there are others that will rise and condemn us in the day of judgment. So let's, let's notice a little bit about the people of Nineveh, about the Queen of the South, and maybe about others uh, that have lived in the past. And let's look at them compared to the generation of the day of Jesus, the people that he was speaking to at this time. Uh, obviously the speaking of the people of Nineveh that occurred in uh, the day of Jonah and refers to those those people that, that Matthew referred to this morning in the day of Jonah <coughs> uh, if we look at, at uh, Jonah the third chapter beginning in the first verse Bible says, and the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go into Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went into Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So here we, we have, have Jonah. And he's going into this city, Nineveh, and historians will tell you at the, at the time that Jonah went there, it was about almost 50 miles across that city. It was a big city. It was a, it, there was a lot of people, possibly uh, approximately 600,000 people lived there at that time. So this was an undertaking that God gave Jonah to go into this city. And as we'll see in a, in a moment, Jonah didn't have high expectations. But the thing that I want you to notice that right now is that uh, the people of Nineveh received this teaching and they repented very quickly. And we're told here that, that God gave them 40 days. Have you ever thought about how long he gave Israel? Over 40 years. And yet in 40 days was all he was going to give Nineveh. And they did repent. Jonah 
the third chapter beginning in the fifth verse. <clears throat> so the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For the word came unto the king of Nineveh and he rose from his throne and he laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto, the God, unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hand. That's Nineveh's response. To the preaching of Jonah. That's Nineveh's response to the word of the Lord. Less than 40 days, almost immediately. And yet Israel had 40 years and they still couldn't repent, they still couldn't get it right. So do you begin to see? How Nineveh could say, look, here's what you should have done. Here's how you should have lived. Continue on in, in uh, verse 9 and 10. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? And God saw their works that they turned, not, that they turned from their evil way and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them and he did it not. These people will rise in condemnation of many of the Jews in the day of judgment because they repented. They were given 40 days to repent, and they did. The Jews were given about 40 years before the destruction of Jerusalem, and they didn't repent always. Sometimes they did, but they wouldn't, wouldn't stay with it. The Jews had even Jesus preaching to them, teaching them. They had the prophets. They had one greater than Jonah preaching to them, and yet they wouldn't repent. And you know, as Matthew talked about this morning, Jonah didn't want to be there. He didn't, he didn't want to be a part of that. He became angry when God wanted him to go to Nineveh. When God it repented God that of the evil that he had said he would do unto Nineveh, when he forgave them, it made Jonah angry. He was not happy with that. In Jonah, the third chapter, beginning in the 10th verse and extending through the first part of the next chapter, the fourth chapter, the Bible says, And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in mine country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish. For I knew that thou art a gracious God, and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take I, therefore now, O Lord, take I beseech thee my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. If 
a man came in this audience today and we gave him permission to speak and he stood up before us and he did not want to be here. He did not like each and every one of you. He didn't want to be here. He wanted to be anywhere but here. He was angry. Even the words of God that he was trying to speak, he was angry in his speech. He didn't, he didn't reveal those words to you in any form of kindness. And you could just feel the hatred coming from him. He was so mad he would have rather died than be here today speaking the word of God to you. How repentant would you feel? How well would you have received that message? I dare say not very well at all. I dare say we wouldn't be very happy about that. We wouldn't be very encouraged of that to make a change in our life. But Nineveh did. Nineveh did. And they repented. In spite of all that. In spite of a man being there that was so angry that he would have rather died than be there. They still repented. You think they might get some saved? And how those Jews, how unrepentant many of those Jews were of that day? You think the Lord God might allow them to say, Hey, you sent a, a messenger of anger and hate to us and we repented. And these people have a greater than Jonah and they won't repent. You think that might carry some weight on the day of judgment? Jesus was always compassionate. He's always been compassionate. He's always desired repentance. In Matthew 23, 37 through 38, the Bible says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered my children together, even as a hen gathereth her chicks under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. How long, how hard did he want the children of Israel to be obedient to him? How, how badly did he want them to follow him? And they wouldn't. They wouldn't repent. They wouldn't follow him. But Nineveh repented. Matthew 12 and 42, the queen of the south, Queen Sheba. The Bible says the queen of the south shall rise up in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it for she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon and behold a greater than Solomon is here. What's the first thing we notice about this queen of the south? Now think about this. She was queen. King and kings and queens in that time didn't travel. You went to them. They didn't come to you. They didn't have to come to you. People had to travel to see them. But we have, have this, this queen here that not only was willing to travel to learn at the feet of Solomon because of the wisdom that she had heard Solomon have. The Bible says that she came from the uttermost parts of the earth. You know what that means? That means what was known of the world at that time, the inhabited world, she came from the furthest place 
big one. And it wasn't like she jumped on an airplane. And it wasn't like it was just her. She brought a great number of people with her. Let's look at this just, just for a moment. 1 Kings 10 and 1. And when the king of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. She had questions. And she knew the reputation of Solomon. She knew Solomon had answers. And that's what she came for. The Bible says that she came with a great caravan of spices, gold, precious stones in verse 2. And she came to Jerusalem with a very great train with camels that bear spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him of all that was in her heart. She, she asked him every question that she had. And Solomon was, was very gracious to her. He, he endured that, and he, to the best of his ability, he answered those questions, beginning in verse 3. And Solomon told her all her questions. There was not anything hid from the king which he told her not. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all Solomon's wisdom and the house that he had built and the meat of his table and the setting of his servants and the attendance of his ministers and their apparel and his cupbearers and his ascent by which he went up into the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. She, she, she knew that she was not the greatest there was. She knew that there was many that were greater than her. And she said unto the king, It was a true report that I heard in mine own land of thy acts and of thy wisdom. Howbeit I believed not the words until I came, and mine eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. My wisdom and thy wisdom and prosperity exceedeth the fame which I heard. Happy are thy men, happy are these thy servants which stand continually before thee, that hear thy wisdom. Blessed be the, the Lord thy God, which delighted in thee to set thee on the throne of Israel, because the Lord loved Israel forever. Therefore made he this thee king to do judgment and justice. Then in verse 10 we find, And she gave the king an hundred and twenty talents of gold and of spices, of great store and precious stones, there came no more such abundance of spices as these which the queen of Sheba gave to Solomon. All for a little bit of wisdom. She had questions. And she came to a man that could give her answers. And it was worth more than anything she had. This queen will rise and condemn many of the Jews as Jesus does. Why? She was willing to travel. She was willing to go in search of the word of the Lord, the wisdom that Solomon had. She was willing to travel a great distance with a great number of people, and it was a, a big, big thing. It was a hard thing. But no matter what it took, she was willing to do that. And here were the Jews. They had Jesus right in front of them much greater than Solomon and they wouldn't follow him they wouldn't follow him Solomon certainly was the wisest man of his day 
in 1 Kings 4, 29 through 30. And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding, exceeding much, and largeness of heart, even as the sand that is in the seashore. And Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of the east country and all the wisdom of Egypt. That's who Solomon was. That's what she was willing to give up to go see him. And the Jews had Jesus. Colossians 2 and 3. Speaking of Jesus, in whom are hid all the treasures and wisdom and knowledge. A greater than Solomon. And yet they wouldn't, they wouldn't follow him. So these Ninevites and this queen of the south, the Bible says, will rise in condemnation of the Jews of Jesus' day because they weren't interested. They weren't willing. They didn't want to put out the effort. Even though the one speaking to them, Jesus, was much greater than Jonah, much greater than Solomon. So this makes me wonder if the Ninevites repented at the preaching of Jonah, who didn't want to be there to start with, the queen was willing to travel just to get a little bit of wisdom from Solomon when the Jews had one much greater than Solomon available to them. How, will, how, how would the Ninevites and how would the queen of the south react to us today? <clears throat> will they condemn us? Or would they speak highly of us? They were quick to repent upon hearing Jonah's message. How many sermons, how many teachings have we heard? Yeah, we don't repent. They were given 40 days to repent. How many days has God given you to repent? How much time has he given you to repent? They repented when all they had was just a simple message. Jonah, one delivered in anger even. And we have the full Bible, everything that God has revealed to his apostles, the revelation of God written down, preserved for us, we have it all. And yet we don't repent. We have God's word revealed through his son and through his apostles. We've likely been blessed by parents and grandparents and, and many other teachers and preachers and Christians encouraging us to live for God and to turn from a life of sin. Sometimes we don't. You know, if we don't heed the message of Jesus Christ, don't you think the Ninevites and Queen Sheba have something to say about that? Don't you think they'll consider us foolish on the day of judgment? Queen Sheba was willing to travel a great distance just to gain a little wisdom. We won't walk two blocks sometimes. How much effort are you willing to put out to hear the word of God, to have it affect your life? traveled on camels through deserts for months of 
great risk. Yet we can't get here on a Sunday morning in an air-conditioned or heated car. It's just too much. It just takes too much. It's just too difficult. She valued the wisdom that Solomon could give her. How much do we value the wisdom that we can gain from the Son of God? Are we willing to offer the gifts of time and energy to learn the wisdom that Christ has revealed through his word? She was. She was willing to give everything she had. You know, if we're not willing to learn the will of Christ for us today, don't you think she'll be able to rise up in the day of judgment and speak against us? And you know, they may be more. There may be more recent generations that rise up and have something to speak of, of us. Think about those who came before us in just recent generations, if not, not going years back. Think about those that might have traveled by foot, maybe on a horse for hours just to have the opportunity to sit in a, in a place and hear the word of God taught. You know, it hadn't been too many years ago, there weren't com comfortable chairs to sit in. People sat on logs. If they were lucky, maybe they had the shade of a tree. It sure hadn't been very long since people gathered together under tents just for the chance to hear the word of God taught. How much effort do we put out? You know, I can remember as a young child, just barely, I just barely remember it, but I do remember being in Allison and we didn't have air conditioning in the building. We had some crank out windows. So when it got real hot in the summertime, you cranked open the windows. Think those people think that we put out a lot of effort today? You know, I remember Dad holding a gospel meeting in, in Plainview one time, week-long gospel meeting. He did it more than once, I think, but, but I remember one time in particular. He held a week-long gospel meeting, but it wasn't a week. It wasn't weeknights. It was every morning and every night for seven days. Eight days, actually. Two Sundays. Every morning, every night. Two services a day. All week. And we have a hard time sometimes getting there for a weekend. Wednesday through Sunday. I have heard of a time not too, too long in the distance when there were two and three works. Three weeks meetings, two and three weeks long. It's just too much for us today sometimes. We just, we, we're too busy. We have too much to do. Have you ever thought about those that struggle to find their way out of denominationalism? <clears throat> they wanted to hear the gospel. They wanted to. They wanted to find a better way, and they studied 
and they talked to people and they had people talk to them and they reasoned day and night trying to find the truth. Do we do that today or do we just sit and hope that somebody will present us with the truth and not worry about whether it's actually truth. We just expect it to be the truth. But we don't go home and take it and turn it over and mull it and try to make sure it's the truth. What will people like that say about us on the day of judgment? What will they have to say? You know, they studied God's word carefully. They listened intently. They used simplicity just to try to be a Christian. Sometimes they made difficult decisions of leaving family and friends because of the truth that they had learned. So if we balk at attending services regularly, we, we balk at taking chances to go to gospel meetings a few miles away, we balk at the chance to have Bible studies offered in nice homes and comfortable homes. Will those that preceded us think we're foolish on the day of judgment? Jesus said in another occasion to his, to his disciples in Matthew chapter 13 verse 17, for verily I say unto you that many prophets and many and righteous men have desired to see these things which ye have seen and have not seen them. And to hear those things which ye hear and have not heard them. There are people that would have given anything to heard and understand the things that we've had the opportunity to hear and understand. We are so richly blessed today. We have the message of salvation offered by one greater than Jonah, one greater than all the prophets. We have the wisdom of God taught by one greater than Solomon, Solomon being one of the wisest men that ever lived. We have access to one greater. What do we do with it? Don't you think that those that came before us that desired to hear the word of God, no matter what it took, would have loved to enjoy what we enjoy today? I hope we don't ever forget that. Luke chapter 12, verse 48. But he knew them not. <clears throat> but he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much of him, they will ask more. That's a scripture I forget very often. We have been so richly blessed. We have been given access to such great knowledge, we don't have any excuse. The people that lived in the day of Jesus offered excuse sometimes, and it was recognized for just what it was, an excuse. And we, look at, we can look at those things and say, That's, that was a pretty good excuse, actually. Compared to the excuses I have today, some of the things they endured were pretty valid. But in the end, they were just excuses. So what do I think my excuses are going to stand up as? What, how do I think my reasoning is going to be looked at? It was just a little, it was a little inconvenient. It was a little difficult. 
I think it's pretty easy to see that there will be others that have the opportunity, have the right, if you will, to rise in condemnation of us. And I hope we use the blessings that we, we are given through Jesus, and, and I hope we give whatever effort is necessary to learn and heed his message and to obey his will. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this sermon podcast. If you would like more information or have questions about what you have heard, email us at cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash wheelerareacfc.